Welcome to the Doc G Show, a radio show cluster. F- Without further ado, critics have said he has the face for radio and a voice for silent films. Your host, Ben Doc G Gordon. And we are on the air. Welcome to the Doc G Show. I'm your host, Doc G. With me is a man whose inner fire is fueled by Code Red and Big Macs. That's why we call him the furnace, Mike Charette. What up? What up? What up? Mm. Mike, how's your uh, how's your week been so far? Mm. Week's been great. Uh, Good. Yeah. How was the weekend? It. You know. It was awesome. I actually climbed a mountain. Yes! Not even Whoa. joking. I climbed a mountain. That's right. Climbed up uh, Fletcher Peak um, wow. in Mount Charleston. Well, we so we climbed up to Fletcher Peak, Mount Charleston. Wow. It was awesome, but one of the hardest hikes of my life. Easily. You sat. You sat right when you first started that. You sounded like Evan from Superbad. <laughs> I met. I met a man who climbed four mountains in his life. That's uh, that's true. Uh, what, how, what was the altitude on that peak? Uh, it was about like, uh, 10,500 feet. Oh, oh. Yeah. So you know those, there. those snooty Colorado folks, they'd be like, oh, it's not a 14er. Wham. It's not a 14,000er. You got to get up there. You gotta, then you're not living <laughs> until you get above 14,000. Yeah, right. I have, That's when it I gets have, really hard. Yeah, I have friends that say that. And I'm like, you know what? Nah. Nope. I'm going to stay, I'm going <laughs> to stay at my Florida 10 feet. How about that? Uh, you're not living until you're at 10 feet altitude. It's pretty great. What is uh, Mount Everest? What is that altitude? Sorry. 28,000, I think. Oh, uh, 28. Wow. Yeah, yeah no it's way. doubling those 14ers. So take that, 14ers. <laughs> uh, I, I, I did a little, I didn't do any altitude this weekend. I uh, went up to South Carolina and uh, hung on the beach for a little bit. It was relaxing. Oh, you know. That's nice. It's not too different from Florida beaches, but you know, I thought a little change of scenery went up there for a little bit. You know, what a part and of uh, what part of SC? Hilton Head. Hilton ah, Head. Nice. It's my, my my favorite. My favorite. Although you know, I'm not gonna. I mean, shout out to all the uh, the coastal areas of Carolina. Your your <laughs> Folly Beach, your Polly's Island, your your uh, uh, Myrtle Beach. They're they're all great. so true. They're all great. But I was in Hilton Head. Anyways, uh, it got me in the vacationing mood, Mike. And nice. uh, being that I was in the vacationing mood, I started looking up traveling things. And uh, mm. one of these articles that I found, I found one from Insider.com. Mm. And I think this Insider.com article should be beneficial for roughly zero people. Sweet. <laughs> um, it, it immediately, just just the article name immediately made me laugh. And I was like, you know what? I got to share this. I got to share this with the folks <laughs> of the show because it will help no one. So that'll be good. <laughs> so the article is titled, I failed at van life after a month. Oh. Here are the six, or here are six of the worst mistakes I made. So... The, the whole base of this article was that the author, Lauren Polson, decided after college that she was going to go to New Zealand, purchase a van, and just be a van hobo for an extended period of time. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, which I... Have you... Have you had the urge to do that? Um, 
You know, the last couple of years, like it's it really they've there've been some good YouTube videos, Doctor. I don't bad. know if you've watched them. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Wee Man's I, doing it. Uh, who is? Wee Man. Oh wow. Okay. Does, I, 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 all right. Well, you know, I mean, you know, I I I thought like I this this idea obviously like it, I mean it's cool. But for most people, economically, like let's say like 80% of the population, it's not really feasible. Like you no. can't just sort of say, all right, well, I'm heading out. I'll see you guys. <laughs> like, I mean, and then like, I think for the other 20% of the population, they just didn't even think that was an option. They were like, you, wait, you can do that? You can just check out? No, I, <laughs> I had no idea. Like, what? But anyways, that's besides the point. Lauren is going to school us on some of these things. So true. And uh, Lauren pops uh, points out uh, what we've got to have in mind if we are going to be a van hobo for an extended period of time. Mm. Now, one thing, I'll point out a mistake that she did not point out that did not make her list of six mistakes. Uh, she, she started this van life with her partner. <laughs> That's what she, uh, so she went on this van world cruise with a partner and, and not just like her, her bro for life. Like this is her romantic partner. Mm -hmm. And if you're going to live for an extended period, uh, as a van hobo, you shouldn't be with your partner. I'll go ahead and say that. Nope. Cause <laughs> you'll want to murder each other. Like there's that's a fact. There's a reason why Ken Casey wasn't doing all of his merry prankstering with a wife. It it doesn't really fit the lifestyle of a hobo. So you know, just yeah, no, no solo van hobo. I, I will. I will. I have never been a van hobo, but I can tell you uh, that's good advice. Now go ahead and put that. <laughs> add that to Lauren's list right there. So. Let's go down her mistakes. Uh, so here comes the first mistake. Lauren says her first mistake was she didn't know anything about vans. Wait, what? Mm. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> she, she says if you want to live out of a van, you need to know how they operate, which Word. I got to say is good advice. Um, but it's sort of like saying if you're going to be a lawyer, you need to know the law. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, I think it's a little bit obvious, but correct, Lauren. Yes. Yes. Yeah. If, if you want to live in a van, you do need to know vans. But apparently that wasn't obvious to Lauren because she, she got swindled in purchasing her van. She didn't know how to fix any of her van. She thought, like, apparently there was just going to be a 24-7 butler that followed her around. It was like, what's wrong? Oh, mm -hmm. with the with the uh, I'll get it. Oh, Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let me fix that belt. There we go. Nope. Uh, second mistake. I didn't realize that the outdoors would make its way in. That mm. was her second. She said when it was cold outside, it was chilly in the van. When it was wet, we would drag the water with us. I forgot what it was like to be able to truly separate myself from the environment. Mm. Again, Mike, I guess this is a good piece of advice, but, like, I figured most people would realize this around, like, the age of 10. Like, you know, 
every time you get in the car when it's roughly the same temperature and humidity as it, as it is outside, like you'd realize, oh, you know what? This doesn't have the best insulation. This like this isn't a Yeti cooler on wheels. Nope. This seems to let the outside in, but she didn't realize that. So wow. you know. You know, uh, good to so, know. <laughs> yeah, like I said, it's helpful to know one, Mike. Uh, third big mistake. This was an interesting one. She said, I wanted the van to be my home, but I didn't know how to make it one. Hmm. Hmm, yeah. Yeah. So she, she mentions in this uh, mistake that she prepared for this uh, hobo van life, apparently by scrolling pictures of hashtag van life. Hmm. Who's, she, and she no. saw all, you know, she saw all the Instagram pics of of what nice vans. Well, what? I mean, why would she you go know, Instagram? Maybe she YouTube some too, but she said Instagram, so I didn't. You know, mm. I don't know. You know, but like I any, uh, I'll just say I'll add to her tip mistake. Um, anyone planning life as a hobo van owner uh, and thinking it's going to be glamorous. It won't. It's a van. No uh, there's a reason why Matt Foley used it as a threat on Saturday Night Live. There, there's a reason why he said you're going to be living in a van down by the river. It wasn't because it's awesome. Okay, mm -hmm. that was. That, I don't. I don't know what Lauren was thinking. That she was like, oh my god, this is going to be so palatial and relaxation <laughs> feel like it's a van, Lauren. Come on. Uh, Wait, what's palatial mean? I don't know this word. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, uh, uh, spread a, 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 a huge royal spread. Oh, okay. Uh, I like yeah. that. Mm -hmm. It's nice. Mm. It's a nice vocab word. Vocab it's word of the word. day. Palatial. There we go. Uh, fifth, or oh, I was almost skipped fourth. Fourth mistake. She tried to adapt her lifestyle to the van rather than adapting the van to her lifestyle. Mm, wow. This yeah. Great writing. <laughs> yeah. Great writing yeah. so far. Yeah. <laughs> I, I felt like on this mistake, Lauren was like channeling her inner Bruce Lee. Like, you mustn't drive the van. You must let the van drive you. <laughs> Be one with the van. Like, Blam. I really, I was like, eh, you're in a van. It's going to dictate a little bit of what you do. I'm sorry. You, you know, like, just, uh, I mean, like, uh, a hobo can't just be like, you know what? I want the lifestyle of a billionaire. I'm going to have to let my uh, sidewalk adapt to that life of a billionaire. You can't really do that. <laughs> nope. You you live in a van, Lauren. Come on. Yeah, you can't bring a pool with you in the van. You can't no. bring your mansion pool. Exactly. Yeah, you uh, always have to work with the van in this situation. Pretty much. <laughs> I, that's what I thought, but not Lauren. Uh, fifth, now this one I think we can highlight as the best advice she has. Uh, fifth mistake, uh, she let all of the issues get to her, big or small, <laughs> which... I, I mean, this is good. I think, like I said, this is the best advice. And, I mean, I'll agree. There's a reason why hippies are so successful at living in Volkswagen vans. That's a fact. It's because they don't give a Like, hmm. you know, like that's, I mean, that's sort of the mantra of a hippie is like, who cares? 
Like, yeah, you know, let's let it let it roll, you know? So I think I mean, again, it's sort of obvious, but I think that's the best advice she's got. Now, last one. This one this one goes back to the first uh mistake. Last mistake. <laughs> Can I take I, a guess? Yeah, yeah. Something about getting gas. Make sure you get gas <laughs> for the van. That's uh, after my uh, number seven with uh, uh, not bringing your partner. Mike's number eight, get gas. I think it is right up there with hers. I mean, that's it's a necessary evil, Mike, when you're in a van. You need get unless you have yeah. an electric van. Unless it but, is an uh, electric van. With this then, list, I would just not be surprised if that was one of the pieces of advice. <laughs> it's close. It's close. Last mistake, uh, I purchased the van in a rush. So, uh, mm, you know, yeah. a piece of advice, don't purchase your van in a rush. Which, mm. again, to go back to my analogy about the lawyer, this is sort of like saying, uh, don't go to law school 10 minutes after you think you've decided you want to be a lawyer. Mm. You know, like, uh, <laughs> I mean, the van's a very critical component of van life. Online. Don't go to law school online. Yeah. Well, that Maybe. would be, I mean, that would be like you per, I guess, oh man, yeah. My, mm. my analogy wasn't <laughs> solid there. Because it would be, the law school would be. That would be yeah. what it would be. It'd be a It'd bad be law school. Rush mm. class. Yeah. Yeah. So don't go uh, to law school 10 minutes after you think you've decided. Online law school 10 minutes after you think you've decided you want to be a lawyer. <laughs> there we go. There, improved analogy. Uh, Mike, now that we're ready to live in a van, we're going to have separate vans. We can be, you know, van bros, and we can park our Mm. vans beside each other. We can do that. Convoy. Yeah, exactly. And we can tackle fourteen thousand foot mountains while we're at Mm. it. We can do that. Yeah, we could do that. You ready? You ready to lift this show off the ground here? Let's do it. All three engines up and burning. Two. One, zero, and liftoff. Nice. Uh, We've got a terrific show. We've got the one, the only, Grayson Jenkins from uh, Kentucky. Uh, Grayson's going to be coming on the show. He's got his new album, Turning Tides, coming out August 27th. Uh, We're going to talk about it. I'm very excited. One thing I can't wait to ask him about are the corn dogs from the last festival, music festival he played at. He had a Instagram post of them, and I got to be honest, I was intrigued. I yeah. would like one of those. I mean, I don't know about you, Mike, but I love corn dogs. Yeah, love yeah, they're 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 a bit nostalgic for me. It's one of those things oh, yeah. you just like. You don't. I mean, it's. I guess. I guess we could say it's not an adult food. Like you don't really <laughs> see. You know, like people aren't on their their lunch break. Like, oh, what am I gonna get? I could get a salad or corn dog. I go with corn dog. Like, what? it's not really. So I want to ask him because it looked like a corn dog. So you know, I mean, that's important stuff. I'm sure he'll be like, "Why did I come on this show?" They're asking me about corn dogs. Anyways, Mike, we need to start where we start. Birthday suit. All right. Happy birthday, Mr. President. Very good one here. Very good one. Uh, one of my faves uh, uh, from 80s movies. You'll see that here in just a little bit. Uh, born on August 18, 1952 in Houston, Texas. From a young age, our birthday suit wearer was a very talented 
uh, was very talented in multiple artistic and athletic skills. He skated. He performed ballet. He played football. He performed taekwondo. All of these things. Jeez. After high school, he chose to move to New York to focus on dance. He performed at the Harkness Ballet and Joffrey Ballet schools. Uh, our birthday suit wearer broke into the film industry when he appeared in the movie The Outsiders. Then in 1984, he starred in Red Dawn. In 1987, he had one of his biggest roles of his life when he played Johnny in Dirty Dancing. In 1989, he played Dalton in Roadhouse. In 1990, he played with Demi Moore in Ghost. In 1991, he played in Point Break and was named Sexiest Man of the Year. <laughs> Sadly, our birthday suit wearer died from cancer in 2009. Name that birthday suit wearer. Patrick Swayze. The Swayze. Yes, Patrick Swayze is correct. Man, just a... Just a, I, you know, the thing that I love about Patrick Swayze, and it's mainly my love of Patrick Swayze comes from Roadhouse, because Roadhouse just needs to be appreciated for the masterpiece it is. Like, wow. I mean, have you, have you not seen it? No, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm putting it in my list of movies to watch right now. But let 100%. me, let, let me, let, I'll give you, uh, I'll give you. I'll give you a synopsis without giving the, the ending away. So, uh, a deeply spiritual man named uh, James Dalton, who studied philosophy in college, Word. Uh, has decided to become a lifetime bouncer. And he's so amazing at his job in New York as a bouncer that a bar in Jasper, Missouri, calls him to fix all of their security problems. It's called the Double Deuce, is the bar. While fixing the security problems, Dalton, he lives in a barn. He lives in the second floor of a barn. Uh, mm. He smokes frequently and practices <laughs> Tai Chi to settle his mind in the backyard, nice. shirtless. Yeah, he gets real sweaty, which you <laughs> wonder. You're like, it's Missouri in the morning, in fall. How are you sweating so much? But... Apparently, he gets sweaty when he does Tai Chi. Uh, and apparently, all the security problems at the bar stem from the fact that a local businessman named Brad Wesley is running a monopoly on everything in town, including the alcohol. And he's just a crazy psychopath that has a helicopter that likes to fly around town. Because, you know, what kind of businessman in Jasper, Missouri... Uh, doesn't have a helicopter, right? True, uh, true. Instead of calling any law enforcement to handle this situation, Dalton calls his bro Wade, who's played by uh, who's played by uh, Sam Elliott, Wade Garrett, and uh, Dalton and Wade handle this situation. Yeah. And in the meantime, Dalton falls in love with a local uh, physician who happens to be real sexy. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That sounds amazing. So true. It's an amazing. I'm surprised it hasn't won all the awards for movies because it's amazing. It's one of those movies that you're just like, man, they really didn't care in the 80s. They just, <laughs> they, you know, if it looked cool, why not? Like, yeah, let's throw it in there. And <laughs> Dalton looks cool. You know, he just hats off to the sways. And yeah, he I'm did all. I'm gonna check that out. 
He did all Definitely. of his dance moves too. Don't worry, all his dance moves. Because he danced in Roadhouse. There's no, a, a small small dance, I think. I okay. think, if I recall correctly, <laughs> I think I might be I might be making that up. I'm trying to think. He's pretty subdued in that movie. I mean, he definitely he may not dance. I can tell you 100 percent he does Tai Chi. That happens 1,000 mm. percent. Uh, anyways, happy birthday to Patrick Swayze. And also, when you watch the movie, Mike, keep in mind, I do dream of becoming Sam Elliott's character in Roadhouse. Wade Garrett. I want to become nice. that guy. He's, Love Sam Elliott. Great yeah, he's got, he's got long hair in that movie. And uh, he's got like a, a, a small beard. And uh, it's all gray. And uh, in 10 years, I hope to be him. So, <laughs> okay. you know. My voice will have to drop like two octaves, and I will have to sufficiently become cooler, but it's okay. <laughs> I, I think I can do it. Anyways, Mike, are you ready to rip some headlines? Yeah, let's, let's hear them. It's now time for Rip from the Headlines. Okay, uh, let's start with this one. This is a weird one. Uh, most of them are. This is AP Story. And I think it creates more questions than provides answers. Uh, did you ride the school bus when you were in school? Yes. Nice. Nice. I did, too. I did until my brother was old enough to drive. Then then I became the coolest passenger you've you've ever seen in a Nissan Maxima. It was... <laughs> I was Which dope. was how old? How old were you when you started like getting rides to school and not having to take the bus? Let's see. I guess like uh, 12, 11-ish. Wow. Well, nice. Yeah. yeah, pretty nice. cool. Pretty cool, right? And my brother had to drop me off in middle school like, oh, God, this loser, right? Uh, <laughs> so anyways, this uh, uh, this revolves obviously around the bus, the bus here. And I guess a 29-year-old dude in Tennessee wanted to relive some of those, those, those bus memories from his past. Because a 29-year-old man in Granger County, Tennessee, was charged with trespassing for riding the school bus to the school. And then going into the school. <laughs> so, so apparently, a substitute bus driver was driving down the road... When they saw a person standing there with papers and a binder, the driver then was like, oh, this guy must be a student. So he stopped and just left the guy on. Uh, Juan, the 29-year-old, was like, cool, and just hopped on the bus. When they got to the school, Juan went into the school, and a teacher was immediately like, uh, that guy's 29, and stopped him. <laughs> And took him to the office where police uh, were called to the scene and he was arrested for trespassing. So like I said, uh, I gave you pretty much everything in the actual news story that was listed there. And I have so many questions. Like, hmm. first, I know it's a substitute bus driver, but don't they give the substitute bus driver, like, the locations where they're supposed to stop? Like... They don't just say drive around till you find somebody <laughs> that looks like a student. Like it's not Pokemon Go. Like did he get oh, on with other students though? Did he get on? It with didn't other say. Students? It said. It said he uh, got on by himself, or at least it seemed oh, like yeah. it. Okay. They didn't say there was anybody else. So like, you know. Second, like, did the bus driver just let him on without asking him? Like, hey, are you <laughs> a student? Like, you know, are you looking to go to this school? And then like. 
if he wasn't looking to go to the school, like, why was Juan like, like I, oh, I've got nothing else to do today. Like I might as well, because it wasn't like they were, you know, breaking up a scheme that he had. It seems like Juan was just like, I guess I'll fill some time in the school. Yeah, let's go over there, see what's happening. Like, hmm. what are you doing, Juan? Get some direction, man. Get some direction in your life. <laughs> he went to the principal's office again, too. He got yeah. all the, he got to relive all these experiences. Yeah, I guess the, he did it for the School. mems. Uh, he did it for the mems. Mike, during this pandemic, we've had sort of a feast or famine for various businesses. You know, mm-hmm. like yeah. businesses online deliveries, they're they're booming, while face to face sector struggling, struggling. Uh, this next story, it's one of those booming businesses. So, little preface of the story here. I zeroed in on one section of the story, and that's really the only thing I wanted to talk about, but I got to give you the back stuff. So, okay. Allie Ray, she was a nurse for about nine years. Uh, and it's tough work, but she really liked it. She really loved being a nurse. She, uh, she's, she's done, you know, done good things over the nine years. But several years ago, as she put it in the story, she started taking revealing pictures of herself on the on Instagram to blow off steam and entertain herself. Hmm. Okay. Mm. Well, she got pretty popular on there. And uh, apparently a couple of the folks that uh, liked her pictures told her that she should start a fans-only account. Word. So, during the pandemic, she was like, eh, I got a little bit of extra time because of the shifts, the way the shifts broke up. Plus, she was in the neonatal section of the hospital, so she had more time because, you know, COVID's overrun by COVID, or hospitals are overrun by COVID, you know? So, she yeah. had a little bit more time. So, she mm-hmm. decided to make a count. She did. And she, uh, she made $8,000 her first month she had it. And, uh, you know... That helped her decide. Well, this is pretty cool, uh, and her it was it was going pretty well for her. But then her coworkers fi- found out about her fans only account, and they were hating apparently because they reported her to her boss. Because apparently, not only are they haters, but they're also narcs. So uh, the boss losers exactly right. Gosh. Like, come on. The boss told her she either had to quit the fans-only site or quit her job as a nurse. It's really the only two choices she had there. Now, here's the part that I focused on. She did decide to quit her job as a nurse. She decided, you know what? And she decided that because she was making about $700,000 a year now on fansonly.com. So, uh, you know, I'd probably quit, too. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, definitely quit. Good decision. Um, But here's the thing. Allie has three kids. 12, Mm. 17, and 18. And she says in the article, we took the two older kids out to dinner, and I told them uh, I was doing some influencer-type work. (laughs) And they were like, yeah, we got it. We're good. We know. It was an unspoken thing where I'm sure they understand where we're dabbling. Ew. They had a pretty open mind about it, and we've blocked them and, our, and their friends on all of our platforms. Um, wow. 
First off, Mike, I gotta ask, would you be able to finish your dinner if you were one of those kids? Like, um, yeah. Like, if you're one of the. It depends on if it. Did she give him a Tesla? I mean, maybe not the 12 year old or the 16 yeah. year old. Well, the 12 year old right? didn't go out. Yeah. Just the 17 and 18 year olds got oh, the Oh, yeah. News. So she has 17. Yeah. So, like, I just. If you're making the money, you're making the money. Yeah. 700K? Like wow. Well, I mean, uh, maybe she should have told her kids that because, like,. Your parents take you out, and they're like, oh, hey, by the way, we record ourselves doing it for other people to buy. Like, I can't finish my chicken parmesan with that going on. <laughs> I'm calling it quits on that meal after that. I'm like, okay, that's <laughs> that's disgusting. Second, I don't know. Kids are, kids are pretty open-minded nowadays. <sighs> I guess. You know? But, like, second... Second, Allie, I know they said they're good. They're not good. Nope. They're, they're not good. Third, no. you didn't block their whole school. Your videos are on, like, at least 100 students' phones right now. They're like, hey, Jake, downloaded a video of your mom and dad last night. Oh, no. Uh, like, come on. I just, I mean, I get it, Allie. I'd be right there with you. I'm just saying your kids aren't yeah. fans. Just saying. It's uh, Make that money. They're probably not fans. Uh, they are not only fans. Uh, Mike... <laughs> From OnlyFans, we're going to just regular pornography. We've downgraded here. Uh, this we is from this is from the Huffington Post uh, because you know they have a story for everybody. Uh, the article points out that there is an ad circulating on pornography websites that is not accurate, which I'm mm, not really, really sure. Yeah, yeah, exactly. When they had this, when I saw the headline, I was like, I don't really understand why they stopped at one. They could have just made an article that said, every advertisement on every pornography site is not accurate. <laughs> but uh, they focused in on this advertisement that says, apple cider vinegar can help cure erectile dysfunction and increase size by 65%. Word. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Increase uh, size by 65%. That's right. That's right. Wow. Okay. Yeah. However, Angus Barge, uh, <laughs> who is an expert in the field, I'm not really sure how, how he's an expert. What Huffington field? Post just assured me that he's an expert in the field of ED, I guess. Um, but he says there's no evidence it will work. Absolutely zero. And he said, not only will it sting like. It could damage your skin and lead to infection, and nobody wants an infection down there, which no. I'll agree. But, like, I just started wondering who actually saw this and actually was following the vice. Like, <laughs> who's out there dumping a gallon of vinegar on their parts? You know, like, I mean, who's like, you know, this is a billion-dollar industry. Pharmaceutical interventions, surgical interventions, but you know what? I bet they just forgot that vinegar's a miracle grow for w I bet you <laughs> bet you they didn't remember that. Like, I mean, come on. Like, who's who's falling for that? I mean, I, I know there's got to be people, but a lot, probably. I'm gonna go no, with a lot. I'm a lot. Go with a lot. Yeah. Then the 100%. other th the other thing that I was thinking though is like, how did the author of this article bring up the idea to his boss? Like, mm. I've got an idea for a story. A friend of mine, totally not me, <laughs> told me about something on porn sites. I've never seen it in my life. Nope. I had to do a lot of research and find this. I finally tracked it down. Totally not me. I didn't try it. It wasn't me. 
So I and don't worry about the bandages under my pants. That doesn't have anything to do with this story. Like, just got to be a little weird when the boss looks at you and goes, "Okay," but it's the Huff Post, you know. Go for it. I think it. you're onto something. Why not? Why not, uh, Mike? Before we go to break, uh, we have to we have to unveil a segment that we haven't busted out for in a while. We haven't we haven't done. It's a segment within the rip from the headline segment. And uh, this segment is reasons to not shoot someone. Mm. Yeah. 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 It's a good one. Yeah. About three Let's years ago we realized <laughs> well, I, I don't you know what? That's a good point, Mike. I need to actually go back or make somebody else go back. And find all the reasons not to shoot someone in our old shows. Because I don't actually have a full list. You know? We need a full list. This we is need just a list. A, this is this is a, uh, a new reason not to shoot someone. Okay. Uh, so Andrew Phelps and his brother of Bay City, Michigan, were sitting in their garage having a casual chat when Andrew decided that he would throw out a hilarious joke about his brother's ex-wife's cooking. And apparently, Andrew's brother didn't find the joke funny because he turned around with his 9mm handgun and shot at Andrew's head. Wait, what? Oh my Luckily, gosh. he didn't hit Andrew's head. He missed by a couple of inches. Uh, Andrew ran out of the garage and called the police on his own brother, and his brother was arrested on charges of assault with a dangerous weapon and discharging a firearm in a building. So, uh, over the last year, thanks to America, we have acquired a long list of reasons to not shoot someone, uh, and that includes your relatives, Mike. And I gotta say, hmm. it definitely falls on that list. Yeah, uh, you don't want to shoot relatives. <laughs> well, and definitely not because they made a joke about your ex-wife's cooking. Like, listeners, if you're with someone that makes fun of your ex-wife's cooking and you're offended, first, you should remember that she's your ex-wife. It's no longer your issue. You've disassociated yourself from that person, so... Let somebody else take up that joke, yeah. you know? Second, you should remember maybe, just maybe, it's not worth really murdering somebody over, you know? I mean... No. Especially when it's your brother. I'm just saying, you know? It's just, I mean, it's a thought. It's a thought. And uh, lastly, Mike, I got to say, like, when I hear a story like this, it really makes me think Andrew's brother has killed, like, at least 10 people. You oh, know? 100%, yeah. For sure. For <laughs> like, sure. If you're willing to shoot at your brother's head for making a joke about ex-wives cooking, the line's pretty low for you pulling that gun out. It's not. Yeah. There's, a, there's a happy trigger going on, you know? And uh, I, d I don't want to be around to find out. I'm just saying. Mm -mm. So, so we need to put it on the list. Reasons not to shoot someone. Uh, being offended by an ex-wife cooking joke. That's yeah, not worth the it. next not, not worth a good it. Reason. I, I do remember a couple of uh, of the others. One, your cousin eating your salt and vinegar chips. That's not a reason to shoot someone, Mike. That's on the list. No. That's, but punching them is acceptable. <laughs> that, that could be. A, a harsh shove. 
Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, two, um, your uh, your grandson refuses to use a coaster on your couch. Word. That's another reason not to shoot someone. Okay. I um, can see that. I remember. <laughs> That's... Yeah, okay. That's, uh, I guess. I guess. Yeah, you know, the couch could get stained, yeah. That's a, I, that's okay. It's not Scotch Guard. There's an issue there. There's no plastic on it. She's living on the edge. Uh, anyways, we'll put it on the list. We'll, we'll, I, you know what? I'm going to, I don't know. That seems like a lot of work for me to get to till next show. But I'm going to try, listeners, to have the list. No, not my next show. We'll say two shows. Let's, let's give myself two shows. That seems like enough time. <laughs> there we go. Uh, for now, let's take a break. We're going to hear from our guest of honor, none other than Grayson Jenkins. This is Low Down Lady right here on the Doc G Show.
And we are back here on the Doc G Show, Spinnaker Radio, WSKRLP 95.5 FM in Jacksonville, Florida. Listeners, make sure you download the podcast anywhere, everywhere you can think of. Overcast, Verbal, SoundCloud, Apple, all of those places. Great places to download and subscribe. You can comment on things. Put a comment on one of the shows, you know? Just uh, comment a reason not to shoot someone, you know, spread some, <laughs> spread, so spread some gun control positivity in this, in this world mm. of ours, you know, uh, speaking of people that subscribe and listen to the show, let's shout out some regulars here. Here we go. Regulars. Shout out. shout out to Jacksonville, Florida, Columbia, South Carolina, Radford, Virginia, Ashburn, Virginia, San Diego, California, Peoria, Illinois, Anoka, Minnesota, Barcelona, Spain, Gainesville, Florida, Dublin, Ireland, Winfield, West Virginia, Genoa, Italy, Citrus Heights, California, Katy, Texas, Boardman, Oregon, Richardson, Texas, Columbus, Georgia. Shout the out. regulars. Yes. That's right. Yes. A lot of them kept it kept it regular for several years there. There's some newcomers on there. Winfield, West Virginia is a little bit newer. Columbus, Georgia is a little bit newer. But most of them, well over a year, Mike. Those those nice. yeah those those cities are putting in the work. They're putting in the work of the Doc G show, and we appreciate it. Uh, yeah. Semi regulars. Here we go. Shout out to the semi regulars. Shout out to Anaheim, California, Charlotte, North Carolina, Sao Paulo, Brazil, Herndon, Virginia, Joplin, Missouri, Toronto, Canada, Denver, Colorado, London, United Kingdom, San Antonio, Texas, Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, Monroe, North Carolina, Oxford, Mississippi, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, San Jose, California, St. Petersburg, Russia, Beograd, Serbia, Boston, Massachusetts, Chino Hills, California, and Houston, Texas. Some semi-regulars there. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. That is a good list. I uh, I do not know where Beograd, Serbia is. Nope. I've heard it. I've heard of the name before, but uh I don't know what's going Doc down. Gee, I don't even I don't even know where Serbia is. Like this is I've, it's really I've, bad with the geography. I've I've got it. Uh I wouldn't really know where to tell you anything else in Serbia is. <laughs> like uh just just it. And I can definitely point out Russia. You give me Russia on the map, I could get that. St. Petersburg, I could point out St. Petersburg on the map. I could do that. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm not saying That's... I'm a champion of geography, but, you know, I think I could hold right. my own against the third grader. So true. I could do it. Take that, third grader. Uh, okay. <laughs> Mike, we need... I got a couple of stories. You know, we left off there on gun control. I got a couple... Uh, I got a story that we can we can put in that list. With uh, with right. reasons, it's not a reason not to shoot someone. It's more of a reason uh, to maybe uh, be a little smarter with your guns. Word. Maybe. Uh, there you go. This past Saturday, Ryan Parker, who lives in Washington D.C., he was uh, sitting in his car, and he decided, you know what, I should probably get on Instagram Live, and uh, I should probably get on Instagram Live because I need to show the world my semi-automatic pistol that I have now modified to be an automatic weapon. Hmm. Yes. Yes. Nope. So he got on Instagram Live, and he showed off his uh, pistol that he had modified with an apparent uh, giggle switch. Uh, the giggle switch mm. turning it into a fully, which, I mean, is really uh, uh, undersells the gravity of what the giggle switch does. That's a fact. You know? Really sounds like a happy thing when 
turning it into an automatic murdering weapon isn't really the happiest of things. But anyways, uh, <laughs> Washington, D.C. police checked out Ryan's Instagram Live. They were one of the folks that tuned in, apparently. And uh, they said, you know what? I don't think that gun's illegal. Or I don't think that gun's legal. And you know what? I know the street that Ryan's car's on because the street is behind him in the Instagram Live. Let's go uh, arrest him. So they went down the street and they checked the gun and it was a ghost gun, meaning that it doesn't have a serial number. So you can't track it, wow. right? Which is, it's illegal. Uh, and Ryan was arrested for the ghost gun. And I think also for the illegal giggle switch, which you're not supposed to have either. So, a couple of things. Uh, I've, I've, I've said this. Not that I'm promoting anything illegal, but just a good idea, guys. If you're planning on doing something illegal, normally you don't want to record it live. Just, just throw that yeah. out there. I mean, I don't want you to not do anything illegal, but if you're doing something illegal and you record it live... Uh, most odds are you're going to be arrested for it. That's uh, just throw that out there. Second, I want to know the people that actually wanted to watch this live feed. Again, one of those things, Mike, that I just thought, like, who's sitting there on their couch and got to notice that Ryan went live <laughs> and was like, wait a second, is he going to show off one of his guns? Oh, man, I hope he's in his car. Yes! I love Ryan Gunn reveals and demonstration videos in his car. <laughs> that is awesome. Like, who did that? And I don't know, man. You know, in the story, too, they said, you know, the Washington PD were watching in on Instagram Live. You know they weren't just watching in. You know somebody on Ryan's feed was like, this dude does illegal crap all the time. I'm telling the cops. Like, you know mm. the D.C. police weren't just streaming every single person's Instagram live <laughs> in Washington, D.C. Like, there's one illegal! Go! Like, that didn't happen. You know, I'm just saying. True. I'm just saying, yeah, Ryan. Not possible. Know, know your followers. Know your followers, <laughs> man. Uh, he was, like, trying on trench coats the week before. People were like, you know, I don't <laughs> want to keep an eye on this Ryan guy. Exactly. Note to self, <laughs> this dude freaks me out. Uh, all right, Mike, we've uh, we've got a lot of, uh, you know, companies out there switching now to uh, vaccine mandates, mask mm -hmm. mandates. So we got a little uh, story out of your hometown here. Uh, out, Interesting. Out of the Orlando area here. Uh, Kelly Sills, uh, a 47-year-old man from Baton Rouge, went to Disney World with his family this past week for vacation. And uh, they decided to go to the Boathouse Restaurant in Disney Springs. Sweet. At the uh, Boathouse, they require everyone to have a temperature screening. So, you know, trying to keep it safe, you come in. They bleep you with the old thermometer, and you move on to your table, you know? Mm -hmm. Our vacationing dad decided, nah, Word. not having any of that. So he went through the exit door intentionally to try to miss the temperature screening. Of course, you know, wasn't too hard for the folks working at the restaurant to be like, hey, there was just a dude that came in through the exit door he didn't have a temperature screening 
So they went over to his table and they were like, hey, you, you got to get your temperature checked. And he was like, no way. And they were like, you, you're going to get thrown out of the restaurant if you don't get your temperature checked. And he's like, well, then do it. And they were like, all right. So they started throwing him out. And of course, as they were throwing him out, uh, he compared the Disney security to Nazis and mafia. Uh <laughs> Then when talking to the Washington Post about the incident, he said, COVID is a very serious thing, but so is my vacation with my family, Hmm. which, uh, okay. And as he was being taken out by the police, he was heard by the police body cameras as saying, I paid $15,000 for this trip. You can't get me for trespassing. I paid $15,000. <laughs> Apparently, I have the Mickey hat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Apparently, Kelly was under the impression that $15,000 is a price tag for doing whatever the f*** you want. You pay $15,000, and there are no rules. It's no longer a Little Caesars commercial. There are zero rules. You can do whatever you want. But, like, I just, like, Mike, why why wouldn't you let him take your temperature? Like. Yeah, I don't know. It, it's a thermometer. Know. It's a therm. I think it's, it's kind of cool. I think it's kind of cool when they do it. Yeah. <laughs> it's not an imaginary soul-sucking wand. Nope. Like, it's a thermometer. It's not for control. It's not a power trip. It's public health. There is no yeah. other reason. Like and lastly, the the COVID is a very serious thing, but so is my vacation with my family. Hmm. I I think Kelly chose the wrong words there. Like, I mean, not to be synonym police, but <laughs> if you're taking vacation in a serious manner, I'm not sure I want to go to on vacation with you. You know? Like hmm. and if it's as serious as COVID, your family is having a horrible time, I can tell you right now. That's so true. Not a good trip at all. And I feel like the way he was yelling to those cops, you know he's used that line on his kids before. Dad, I'm not <laughs> doing that. I paid $15,000. You are doing this. Like, feel like that's been broken oh, 100%. out a bunch. Oh, yeah. A bunch with Kelly. Oh, yeah. Anyways, Kelly, learn the rules. It doesn't matter that you paid $15,000. Uh, okay. Mike, do you want to go hard? Uh, Hard, hard uh, birthday suit or easy on this one? On the I'm second gonna go one? hard birthday suit. I'm very okay. curious. I okay. want to know. I want to see if I can. I mean, you know, I, I we haven't got to explore actors enough yet, so like I don't know how good you are with it. This could potentially be an easy one. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, born on August 18th, 1936. Elvis Presley. Got it. No, Named it. Uh, in, Sa- uh, in Santa Monica, California. So, no, not not Elvis. That'd be Tupelo, Mississippi. <laughs> Anyways, our birthday suit wearer went to the University of Colorado Boulder and was a member of Kappa Sigma before he dropped out. He then traveled to Europe, living in France, Spain, and Italy, becoming interested in the arts. He came back to New York to study at the Academy of Dramatic appearances on uh, uh or sorry skip the line uh, academy of dramatic arts in new york city he started acting in both film and tv 
In the 60s, he made all types of television appearances on Maverick, The Untouchables, Perry Mason, Dr. Kildare, uh, Take, The Virginian, The uh, Twilight Zone, all of these he made different appearances on. His first role was Tall... Uh, his first film role was Tall Story in 1960. Hmm. One of the biggest roles of his life came in Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, where he shared the screen with Paul Newman. In 1976, he starred in All President's Men as Bob Woodward. The film went on to have eight Academy Award nominations. In 1984, he starred in The Natural. In 1993, he starred in Indecent Proposal. In 2001, he teamed up with Brad Pitt in Spy Game. In all, our birthday suit wearer has starred in over 90 films, directed 10, and produced over 25 He's been honored at the Kennedy Center, and he won the Presidential Medal of Freedom in 2016. Name that birthday suit wearer. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. I'll be honest with you. No idea. Okay. I have no idea. Okay. I bet you the name. I had a couple ideas, but yeah, no idea. I, I bet you the name will ring a bell. Robert Redford. Oh, Robert Redford. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Ah. What was the last like three movies that you mentioned that he was in? You said Spy Game with uh, Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt. Indecent yeah. Proposal, and then All the President's Men. Those uh, I did a I did a 70s or, or in the Natural. I skipped the whoops. Sorry. The 80s was the Natural. 90s was Indecent Proposal. Spy Game was 2000s. I chose sort of his mm, biggest gotcha. biggest movies of each of the decades there. But uh, okay. Yeah, I would say, I mean, I know him, maybe it's just me, but I know him most from Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. That's, uh, you know, just two sexy Classic. dudes just being just being outlaws, you know? Just Paul Newman yeah. and, 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 and Robert Redford. I feel like Robert Redford, I mean, there's a lot of connection to this, but I feel like Robert Redford was like the Brad Pitt before the Brad Pitt. Like that was yeah that was sort of what he did, you know? And I mean, the dude's, the dude's turning 85... And he's still a good-looking dude. He's still keeping it he's together. He's a good-looking guy. You got to give it to him, you know. And he's got a Presidential Medal of Freedom. Not too many people can say that. Nope. Not too many. Uh, Joe, think about giving one to Leonardo DiCaprio. I'm just saying. <laughs> the dude's done a lot. He's the inspiration to the world. That's all I'm saying, Joe. Just think about it. Uh, Michael Jordan already has one. So true. So he's on the list with Robert there. So there you go. Uh, happy birthday to Robert Redford. Maybe you know. 90 more films in his future. Who knows? Who knows? Keep it going. Keep it going, you know? But right now, we're going to take a break. We are going to hear from our guests real quick, and then we will be back with our guest, Grayson Jenkins, right here on the Doc G Show. The Doc G Show, because sometimes you need something playing in the background. Every Wednesday at 7 p.m. on 99.5 FM, Spinnaker. This is 95.5 Spinnaker Radio. WSKRLPFM, UNF Jacksonville.
Welcome back to the show, everybody. Today we are very excited to have an excellent singer and songwriter, Grayson Jenkins, on the show. Grayson, how's everything going? It's going great, man. Appreciate you having me on the show. For sure, for sure. So uh, you've uh, you've been getting some shows in this summer, leading up to the release of this uh, this new album. Just a couple of weeks ago, I saw you play the uh, Hinterland uh, Music Festival there in Iowa. How was that? Well, I was actually just attending that. Oh, uh, just as a fan, yeah. Oh, uh, I had some buddies that played, and I'd been on a little uh, solo tour out in Wyoming and uh, South Dakota and some of that Came area, and then through. on the way back. Mm. Yeah, so gotcha. I uh, was just a spectator for that one, but I enjoyed it a well, lot. It seemed like you were enjoying it. That's that's why I actually brought it up. I wanted to I wanted to ask because I noticed you were eating what looked to be a delicious hot dog <laughs> or corn dog, and I wanted to ask about that killer corn dog. Uh, how did it stack up? Do you have an all time list of corn dogs? Where was that on the list? Man, that one is up there for a few different reasons. One, it's hand dipped, and mm. uh, I learned long ago that. Uh, if it's not hand-dipped, it's not going to pass the test. You right, know? right. Um, so true. So it was also a foot long. And then, two, it was probably the busiest food truck there. And so I had to wait mm. a few days until the line was, like, uh, low enough, small enough for me to uh, commit to getting one. And so it was just the anticipation. Nice. Um, and I'd been seeing them around all weekend. So it was it was up there, man. I mean... Uh, it's been it. a long time since I had one too. I was so. about to say I said that earlier on on the show that I I don't think you know I mean not not that I don't believe it but I feel like in society today it's not viewed as an adult food. Nope. You know, like I don't think people see it. It's it's sad, but I don't think they see it as an adult food. And I don't think I've ever had a foot long corn dog. So that would be that would be an adventure in itself, right there. That's 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 a lot of dog to have. That's good stuff, man. Now, <laughs> the the second thing I noticed, I couldn't help but notice in that in in that montage of pictures was that you had a 1990 Portland Trailblazers shirt. Are yeah are good. are you a current Portland Trailblazers fan or just a 1990 Trailblazers fan? Um, I guess I'll say neither. And <laughs> <laughs> I hope that doesn't hurt your feelings. Uh, no, it doesn't. I am a big indie. I'm a big NBA fan, and uh, Kobe Bryant was like uh, the bee's knees for me. Nice. Um, I am. Uh, I went to the University of Kentucky, and yeah. so now I'm, I pretty much keep up with all the the Wildcats that are in the league. But Devin Booker and the Suns, and then uh, not a Wildcat, but John Morant and the Grizzlies are kind of my two favorite young teams right now. Nice. Um, but I was born in 1990, and a good friend of mine uh, that shirt was too small for him, and so I ended up with it and. Uh, Best I don't of the know year. a ton about that team, but uh, that was the year for their glory. Yeah, if I'm thinking correct, that was uh, that's when they played uh, Detroit in the in the finals, and they lost to Detroit because that was Detroit's second uh, championship. So that was that was yeah that was at their peak of of Portland yeah. activity because that was before you know then two years later they they met the Bulls in the finals and lost to Jordan in the finals never Clyde and the uh, Clyde and the crew never got a actual championship there he had to had to go to so uh, close yeah yeah had had to go to Houston for that uh, well that's 
That's I was gonna ask actually. Uh, I was planning on asking about you. You were in undergrad the last time UK won a championship, right? Yeah, 2012 was my junior year of college. Oh, um, nice, so nice. The hell of a time to be there. Yeah, yeah. I guess I, I, I was thinking you had to be a fan because I noticed that. You know, I, I noticed in a lot of your captions and stuff, you had basketball references. There was one on a guitar yeah. that you were like, this is my Pippin. And I was like, oh, ooh, a Jordan reference. <laughs> ooh, ooh. Nice, man. You you did some digging. Uh, that's, I dig. Uh, what can I say? Right I have I have time to waste. What can I say? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, well, so let, let's talk a little bit about music. Uh, I've, now, that, now that I've got the deets on your 90s shirt. Yeah! You you grew up in Kentucky, uh, Muhlenberg, Kentucky, and uh, I heard you didn't really come from a musical family. Nobody in your family was really huge into music, and you didn't really start playing until you were 14. And then you didn't really actually start taking it serious until you were in college. What was the initial thing that got you in guitar? When you got that first guitar when you were 14, what really you know inspired you at that time? Yeah, um, I was kind of a latecomer, and um, I don't really know the kind of beginning of all of it, but at some point I just kind of became infatuated with music culture. Johnny Cash was really the first person that I was drawn to, just his whole imagery and, um, I don't know, some of the uh, just legends surrounding him I was really, really drawn to. And so when I was like 14, I was uh, rocking Johnny Cash shirts and going to sing karaoke at this little restaurant in town that my mom would take me to. And then um, she bought me a guitar, you know, saw my interest in music and I still have it. It's a hundred dollar guitar that came with like a chord book and gig bag. And, um, yeah. and I le- learned a couple chords then, but then it wasn't until college that I had a roommate that actually played and could play and sing songs that um, I'd always like singing just whenever I was by myself. And then, I started putting the guitar to it, and it took off from there. And once you, once the bug bites you, it's kind of hard to shake. Yeah. So I, I, I sort of had two questions on that. You know, you mentioned that you went to college there and started playing with your roommate, and you guys, you know, sort of bouncing things off of each other. What were you guys into? What sort of struck the common bond between you guys? Yeah. Um, I don't know what kind of music. he was into. More like alternative music. So mm. he would play like. He would cover like MGMT and um, basically I would give him like country songs. Like I remember like Eric Church and Willie Nelson or whatever. And he would learn them on guitar and I would sing them at parties or whatever. Nice. uh, Late at night. And so he just liked to play. Uh, He honestly wasn't a very good singer. (laughs) And so it kind of worked out for uh, me to just give him songs and I would sing along. And then eventually he taught me some chords on the guitar and uh, grew from there. He he, um, he we was, only lived together like a year, but uh, he was pretty instrumental. I haven't talked to the guy probably since we moved out, but man, uh, he was pretty instrumental in getting me going. Man, need to drop him the line, let him say, "Hey, yeah, for sure." Thanks, thanks for being my karaoke machine for a, a year. That was nice. Just put in the song and yes, you sir. put it out. Well, the other thing I wanted to ask about because I heard this uh, with you talking actually about uh, one of the singles off the new album. Uh, the inspiration there from from Dwight Yoakam that you had back uh, you, when you were working on the farm with your dad, you got a taste of a lot of like the '90s, '80s, '90s country classics there working on on the farm. 
were were you were you in, did it take a while to come back to those songs for inspiration or have you always enjoyed those i've always enjoyed them i think um it's a little more trendy now you know i mean at the time obviously they were huge and then i was really into mainstream country until probably the early 2000s mm. um i mean mainly because of access you know it was yeah like, I had, had access to the radio and I had access to CMT uh, and GAC, Great American Country. And yeah. um, so those were like my access points for music. Um, so I was into a lot of that. And then then in college or high school and college, got into more indie music and that kind of stuff and mm-hmm. uh, a lot of different kinds. And then have recently in the last three or four years, I feel like it's become more cool and trendy to like um, and play some of those older songs. And so... I think I just dug back into some of my roots a little bit. Nice, nice. Wh- wh- who would you say, as far as uh, neo traditionalist, would you say your 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 biggest into? Would it be Dwight Yoakam because of uh, the Kentucky connection, or somebody else? Yeah, I think Keith Whitley is a big one. Nice uh, for me. He's another Kentuckian. Um, yeah, but I mean, for me, for a long time, it was. Uh, people will probably laugh at like Kenny Chesney and Tim McGraw. I was, I mean, those are my dudes. <laughs> Whenever I was uh, good well, stuff, good stuff, right years there. old, you know. Yeah, Indian outlaw man, love the jam, love it. <laughs> yeah, it, yes. it gets get you amped. Uh, now I heard I heard a really cool story. Uh, like you said, you sort of got into it late, and you weren't really playing. You weren't playing shows when you got to college. You were just playing and you were singing. And like you said, I guess I guess you got enough uh, liquid courage at a at a at a party. You sang some there, but you never really performed. You you didn't have those gigs. And I heard you went to Nashville on a trip for 4H of all things. And you go to <laughs> you go to Tootsie's, which is down uh, down on Broadway. And for the listeners that don't know, it's you know iconic. Yeah. You know, Willie Nelson hung out there. Loretta Lynn hung out there. And the guy you're interning for, Tommy Harrison, convinces the manager to let you sing some songs on the stage at Tootsie's. Now, like, other than those little party things, had you ever performed, especially at two, like, this was in the afternoon, had you ever performed just stone cold like that in front of people at that time? No, no, and I'd never uh, been behind a microphone. Well, other than speaking and stuff in school, but I'd never been behind a microphone. I'd never plugged in a guitar, man, um, any of that. So it was like I'd still remember that. Man, you have done your research I've, again. I will say, and that's awesome because <laughs> uh, that's such a that's such a pivotal moment for me. Uh, yeah, even at that time, I, I feel like it, it was, and I realized how pivotal it was because um, you know it, it never seemed approachable to me. It was like you telling myself all the time you're not the guy that does that you know what i mean and then lo and behold i was the guy on a stage playing a song and i don't think tommy had any idea i would take it i was about where i've taken it i was about to well did tommy how did how did tommy know you had songs i mean did, had he heard you sing or did he just or did you had you brought it up to him or something like that yeah because i was um that was the summer between my junior and senior year of college and i i was living at home uh while i was doing that internship and yeah um, so whenever we would get together or whatever at, um, at our house, we had a couple of little get togethers and I uh, played a couple songs around the fire. Um, and he kept telling me, you know, you need to put yourself out there and try some gigging and stuff. And I was always like, oh, <laughs> that, it, that's not me, man. And yeah. so we went down there and 
he forced me up on stage and uh yeah i think he was a little surprised years later uh he actually came to one of my shows this summer and i told him uh you know how how much it meant to me that he supported me before i've ever had anything going oh, that's I was about to say really there. instrumental people. Yeah, I was about to say if you saw Tommy lately, thank him for giving uh, giving you the disease of performance there, and can't yeah. can't stop now. Do what? Which stage? Because Tootsie's has three stages. They have the stage on each each floor there. Which one did you did you play on? I remember it was upstairs. Okay. Um, uh, but it was. I think they have a rooftop. Yeah. And like a middle level. I think I was yeah. on the middle level. Maybe. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, yeah, do you remember any of, any of the songs you played? I was just about to say, I played uh, Paradise by John Prine. Nice. I played uh, Carolina by Eric Church. Oh, man. Those are the two songs. I think, that's, I think that's my favorite Eric Church song. Yeah. That's a, that's, that's you know, classic. That was one of the man. first songs I learned on guitar. Those, those were two of probably ten songs I knew at the time. Uh, man. And yeah, I played those two. Very nice. Very nice. Well, after after you got the bug, uh, after after you got uh, uh, bitten by the performance there, it didn't take too long. Uh, you you played a you played a, a real gig that you actually. I heard. I, I love this for some reason. Craigslist always makes it into uh, an interview for me. I, I don't know, <laughs> Craig's. But you were perusing Craigslist for for gigs afterwards, and I was like, yes. Craigslist somehow it always makes it. <laughs> it the other the a couple weeks ago on the show like I it was funny because I, I forget what we we're talking about but I was like does Craigslist even like I was like does it still is it still happening and I actually had to go on Craigslist and I was like it's the exact same I haven't been on this thing for like I know they've never changed no I was like I haven't been on here for like 15 years it looks the exact same it's crazy it's uh yep. but but you were getting gig. You you were looking for gigs, and you found you got your first real gig at the Jessamine County Public Library, which we all know that's a rocking place. Obviously, just oh, the yeah. just wild. just the name gives it to you there. Yeah. Which which were you more nervous for, the the real performance gig or the Tootsies? Which one which one was more nerve wracking? Ooh, uh, probably the. Jessamine County Public Library because because you have to think about it ahead of time. Yeah. You know, it's always when it. I mean, I was really really nervous whenever they were like get up and play some songs at Tootsie's. I was like shaking, but I think knowing weeks in advance that I was going to play at this library, I'm like, you actually have to go do this. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you had so to you build got all up. the time yeah. ahead. Yeah, mm -hmm. the build up. Yeah, the dead time before. That's uh, you got a lot of time to rethink it and say maybe. Maybe I call him, tell him no, don't have time for that, don't, uh, can't do it. Uh, now, with that one, that how, I, once you got out there, once you start performing, did everything start to flow? Did you feel fine once you got out there singing? Yeah, I felt pretty good. Um, it took me a little while to um, kind of have some confidence on stage. I think mm -hmm. that took some time like that does most people. But I just remember when I first started, I would... Like, if I screwed up a note or a chord or a lyric, I would, like, almost apologize. Freeze, you yeah. know, after the song. or Yeah, yeah, or, yeah it would just really stunt me. And now it's like, that's just part of it. You just got to roll on and fake it till you make it kind of thing. Um, For sure. But it took me a little while to get over the hump with that. Um, yeah. But uh, growing up in, like, speaking contests and uh, stuff like that from the time I was in fourth grade and on, um, I think that helped quite a bit with just getting in front of people. For sure. 
um, made it a little easier. For sure. Well, now, after the library gig, after a successful library gig, I heard you went to a roadside classic, The Cracker Barrel. Yes! Uh, Oh, yeah. And I got to ask, do you remember what you had? Well, this is funny because I had a a friend visiting from Canada last night, and I took him to Cracker Barrel this morning. Yes. Uh, (laughs) And I got the exact same thing today that I got then, and it's Uncle Herschel's favorite. uh, favorite, uh, Nice. It's like... Fried apples, hash brown casserole, oh, yeah. chicken tenders. It's uh, nice. My, been my go-to. Yes, it is. Uh, Cracker Barrel is a classic in my family, as we called it on Saturdays. The CB. You got to head down, hit yourself up some CB. It's going to be good stuff. I usually I had two oddball uh, choices. I either went with the BLT salad, which very underrated. Awesome bacon, awesome croutons, or I went with the uh, Mama's uh, Pancake Breakfast. Those were my... Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Yeah, those those were my two go-tos. Uh, but I also don't sleep on the catfish dinner. That's also... That's a, that's a classic right there, too. And speaking of this, I'm not trying to make it in the food interview. I already know I talked about corn dogs. But since you've been around Lexington for a while, since the undergrad, if I'm coming up to Lexington and I call you up and I say, Grayson, got one night in Lexington... Where are you telling me I should eat? Hmm. What's the go-to place that I should eat in Lexington? Oh, man. There's so many. Uh, Let's see. I would probably tell you to go to Winchell's for sure. That's Winchell's. It's Winchell's. It's a neighborhood sports bar, but it's run by two, like, uh, three or four-star chefs that, like, are from here and then kind of retired, and this is, like, their retirement place that is just, like, a staple. Nice. So I would would send you there. Um, It's, like... I would say upscale bar food. Oh yeah, uh, just great, uh, great brunch, great uh, all around kind of menu. Who doesn't love? A I would brunch? say there, yeah. And then there's a, a chef in town that owns a few restaurants, uh, Wida Michael, and she has a couple of restaurants kind of out in the horse horse country. Uh huh. That usually if people are visiting, I'm like, you got to go out to one of those, get like a catfish cowboy um, right next to a horse farm. Just just, uh, just hunt down a Rita Michael place, huh? Yes. Okay. Yep. All right. I like both uh, both recommendations. I'm still looking. A while back, Barnes Courtney came on the show, and he said he, he ate at a place. He couldn't even give me a city in Kentucky, but he ate at a great southern, uh, uh, southern cuisine restaurant. Could be a Rita Michael. I don't know. We'll give it a. We'll, I'm, I'm gonna. I'm gonna find it for him eventually, though. We're gonna hunt down the <laughs> place he went. You track it down. Exactly. Well, okay. That's the last food question. I swear. Nope. Uh, but <laughs> after you graduated, you uh, you you were playing. Now you were getting some gigs in, but you you didn't actually go just head into uh, music. You actually got a job in in student affairs. Stuck around UK. And your first album, Down on Southland, you record and release while you had that job. I, I know it had to be super difficult working a day job, releasing an album, promoting an album all at the same time. What was that like on that first album, trying to do all that? Man, it was uh, kind of a blur looking back. I think I was just so excited about uh, music at the time, and still am, but I yeah. think I was just... Uh, full steam ahead and looking back I don't know that I could do it again like the way I was doing it because I was traveling for work working you know 40 to 60 hours a week given the time of year and then also like gigging Thursday through 
Saturday or Sunday, like sometimes doing multiple gigs during the day, I would take pretty much anything that people would offer. Yeah. Um, but I feel like it laid the groundwork. And so don't know that I would go at it as hard as I did from the ages of 22 to 25. <laughs> I don't know that I would do it again. Yeah. But uh, I think it certainly kind of laid some groundwork that, because I was making up time too. I felt like as a person that started playing a lot later than, you know, these kids come out and they're playing gigs at 15 years old. Yeah. Um, I was kind of behind the, uh, the curve there. Get, get some gigs under your belt. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Well, yeah, I cut my teeth pretty hard. Well, well, looking at Spotify and the numbers, uh, it seems like Cowboy Dream uh, is sort of, uh, it hit a vein. It hit a popularity vein. That was released in 2009. Uh, wh- what was it with that song? Was that uh, playlist placement? Do you do you think it was the lyrics? Why, why does that have the popularity it does, you think? Yeah, I think um, it got on a playlist uh, kind of out of the blue mm-hmm. uh, with Saving Country Music. Mm. That, that blog, it got on a playlist, which was like a their top 25 playlist and it was like the numbers jumped up and then somehow it hit the algorithm and then it was got on a bunch of other ones um that's a fun so ride that's, right yeah yeah and it makes no sense you know sometimes as the you know person behind the scenes or as the artist you're like yeah why did this one click you know yeah versus the others um but, but that- too i think even at even at shows before i released it that song just uh resonated with people i think it kind of hit some of that 90s country i think it hits a little bit of the old time country yeah um and then just a very singable chorus for sure is is it is it a little frustrating for you on that side i mean because i always tell artists i feel like it'd be extremely frustrating for me as far as that like that clicking and not really knowing why as far as the moving pieces all of a sudden that becoming popular is that is is it frustrating for you being like what why why isn't it this song this song seems just as good as as, as cowboy dream why isn't it up there <laughs> it keeps me up at night uh, <laughs> like just i mean it's maddening it's some, like because i come from like a numbers background i was an yeah. economics major in college and so that's like my thing is like looking at data and why this yeah. matters or why this affected people in a certain way and so sure. i'm really into that kind of stuff and so it's maddening when you think okay this is supposed to click exactly right and yeah. then it doesn't and then something else that you've not put any as much time or effort into just just takes off yeah um so it's a little maddening uh, for sure for sure but that's just the music business i'm glad you said that i feel like some artists some artists are just like nah, not really i'm like really really i feel <laughs> like that i would be sitting there like what why this one here this could do the same thing why isn't it doing the same thing like but it, it would irritate me exactly. a little exactly that's me well speaking of popularity i heard you talk about how you know one of the things that got you hooked as far as like performing and addicting was was when you saw people sing your lyrics back uh, as far as actual songs you wrote, instead of doing covers of other people's songs, when you wrote a song and they were actually singing your lyrics back to you, uh, do you remember the the first song that that happened? That you that you saw that and you were like, wait a second, they're singing my song back to me. Yeah, it was uh, my song "World." Um, nice. That was which was one of the first songs I wrote, and then uh, just started playing it out, and then just like more and more people that were coming to the bars that I was playing at uh, yeah. would request that. And it's like, oh man, this is uh, going somewhere, you know? <laughs> like people actually care 
what I'm writing. Yeah. You gave it a whirl, man. It took a man. while to get like used it. to that. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Well, now, you get categorized. I mean, we, we talked, we danced around it a little bit as far as uh, country and Americana. And uh, in, in the world of American Americana and country, I feel like Kentucky sort of right now or, or in the last, you know, decade or so, it's one of the hottest sort of places as far as artists. I mean, some of the biggest names, Chris Stapleton, uh, Sturgill Simpson, uh, Tyler Childers, all from Kentucky. Uh, is it like a sense of pride when you go to other places, sort of associating with those artists, or is it a little bit like intimidating that you feel like you have to to live up to that? That you gotta you gotta represent the Commonwealth like they do. That's a really good question. Um, I think it's good. I mean, definitely here recently, as I'm putting out this album, that's I feel like been a hot topic of conversation yeah just because i mean there is so much music coming out of here for but sure also on the same front kind of being on the scene and i've been on the scene for coming on a decade now and it's it's grown so much recently that it's kind of a little harder i think to stand out maybe yeah then just because you know there's the big names you mentioned but also there's just a laundry list of other artists coming out of the woodwork it seems like all the time so it's a it's a busy scene. I'm happy to be part of it. Also, like to kind of keep my hand in some some other areas. Like I identify with the Texas Red Dirt Country a little bit. Nice. And, and have some followers and stuff down that way. And so I like being from Kentucky and take a, a lot of pride in that. Um, but also uh, want to be open to other to areas and other styles of music and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Well, now the the new album Turning Tides coming out August twenty uh, seventh. And uh, speaking of those big names, that's the first thing I want to sort of bring up is that you you got some great musicians on this album uh, to play with you. Uh, you got Jesse Wells, who plays with uh, Tyler Childers, uh, Miles Miller, who plays with Sturgill Simpson, Kenny Miles, plays with Wayne Graham. Uh, how, how'd you get these fellow Kentuckians as, to be a part of the album? I think it just goes back to the kind of Kentucky music network um and having been a part of it i've just have been around all these little festivals and um just gigs and stuff and people mm -hmm. playing a lot of different bands and so i've just gotten to know people over the years and um had gotten to know jesse a little bit and so i reached out to him first and then um talking about who else we wanted to add in and i'd met uh miles previously a few times and mm -hmm. jammed with him a little bit so he was our first call and then Kenny, we recorded at his studio, and uh, he's a great bass player as well. Um, yeah. So it just all all kind of fell together pretty quickly, and um, that was the core recording group. And then from there, just cherry picked uh, who we wanted to add in on background vocals and pedal steel, and just kind of a who's who of uh, these Kentucky musicians. Yeah, very nice, very nice. Now, Turning Tides, uh, it seems like you. Uh, have more—I wouldn't say more creative pride in it, but you—you have a. It seems like you're really excited about it compared to the the last, you know, albums. And I mean, obviously, the first album is very exciting. Um, but w what do you think sets Turning Tides apart from Hand Me Downs, Cityscapes, and Countrysides, and Down on Southland? Yeah, for me, I think it's uh, production quality. Um, I think. That was a, a big reason why I brought on Jesse, just because he's what I would consider a master musician. Mm -hmm. um, and I consider myself more of a singer-songwriter. Um, 
who's still learning more of the musical aspects. And so bringing him on, I think, was pretty crucial and exactly what I wanted and having a, a more experienced seasoned player um, yeah. to provide recommendations. So production quality. And then I think just lyrically, uh, uh, you know, my goal was to become a stronger writer uh, over time. And so I think with every project, hopefully I'm, I'm feeling like I'm writing my best stuff. And I feel like this one um, kind of embodies what I want out of writing, you know, is just like uh, good stories with a catchy enough hook or chorus that that people want to keep listening to them, but still with kind of a little depth in the story. Um, but also approachable for sure. And I feel like it, it kind of meets that. Yeah. Yeah. Now I, uh, I saw you did a performance of some of the songs there. You did, you did this, uh, cool performance at the gateway regional arts center, uh, with a lot of songs off the album, but I also see, I saw you did the, uh, you covered Keith Whitley there. You did, uh, yeah, I'm no stranger to the rain. Was that was that just uh, had you been saving that one in the in the pocket as far as a performance that like you said just because of the inspiration growing up and whatnot? Yeah, we had uh, we had just added that to our set um, right before COVID hit, and it was just feeling really good and just the message of the song and uh, yeah, as a big Keith Whitley fan, um, I don't know, it's just good to kind of bring those songs back up in the conversation, you know, for a new generation and. Um, just fun to play too and so whenever we were sitting down i was like to for that gateway session i really wanted to have some type of recorded version of that mm, um, nice just, yeah we uh, we still have been covering it some this summer and uh, yeah i just think especially coming out of covid it feels good just the message of that song is pretty uplifting um so it seems pretty fitting with the times yeah, it uh, it came out really well in the uh, the room there with the sort of reverb you got there and the echo and uh, just uh, the the space it, it it gave it it gave it a little bit of extra gravitas there with the recording sounded good for sure. Cool, thanks, man. Yeah, that room is crazy. Uh, I had had it earmarked for something like that for a long time. First time I went in there, I was like, this reverb is pretty powerful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, fun, fun fact, side note for the listeners. Did you know that uh, Vince Gill uh, started riding Go Rest High on that mountain about Keith Whitley? Really? Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah, that was that was the first, he wrote the first verse. And uh, that right right after Keith Whitley died, he wrote the first verse. And then he, he didn't really know how to finish it. And he just sort of put it away for like three years and had that first verse. And then his brother passed away, and he sort of combined it as sort of like a, a tribute to, to both of them. And he finished it when it, when his brother passed away. And that's where. That's crazy. I had no idea. Very cool. Uh, as as the listeners know, uh, um, big fan of the Ken Burns country music documentary came from there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Vince Vince talks about it on there. Pretty cool, and you find out sort of uh, Keith's workings through the uh the country music world there in the early uh or late 80s early 90s but very cool so uh now you'll be doing the manchester music festival in manchester kentucky the day your album comes out now is that one of the reasons you held the release date so you could sort of have an audience to play to when uh you know when the album came out yeah um yeah, we've got that festival and then Railbird on Sunday. And so it's just like, okay, this is probably one of the bigger weekends 
show-wise, it, it would take a lot of planning to try to plan a better release weekend than yeah. having those two festivals. And so, um, yeah, it just made sense to kind of combine it all and um, definitely excited to get it out after uh, working on it and making tweaks and stuff throughout COVID. You know, I've been sitting on this album for a long time now, so it's yeah. really exciting to 10 days away from getting it out. For sure. Well, uh, aside uh, now, aside from the album coming out here in just a you know week and a half, uh, what's the plans for the rest of 2021? Promote the album tour as much as possible. You got it. Yeah, I'm uh, got quite a few shows lined up, and just trying to get back to some places that uh, that I've been before that I hadn't been in a couple years now, um, and then try to just follow whatever. Uh, uh, chase whatever rabbits <laughs> seem like good ones to chase. How about how, um, how about Florida? Are you going to make it back down here? That would be awesome. Um, I've got some family over in on the Gulf uh, side around uh, Fort Walton. Gotcha. Um, so they're always itching for me to come down. But yeah, uh, maybe this winter, whenever it gets cold up in Kentucky, it'd be good to snowbird a little bit down there. What everybody wants to do, man. Do the do the northern yep. northern shows in the summer. Florida shows in the winter. That works. That yeah. Works. Well, Grayson, we are up against a break, but I want to thank you for coming on the show, man. It's been a pleasure. Man, thanks so much, and yeah, appreciate the, the really good questions, and uh, we got to chat about corn dogs and everything. NBA basketball and everything, everything, man. Yeah. Well, listeners, you can check out all things Grayson at his website, GraysonJenkins.com, or you can follow him on Instagram at GC Jenkins, or you can stream all of his music on all the streaming services, Apple, Spotify, right now. Let's take a listen to Mockingbird right here on the Doc G Show.
Cause I'm well aware that there's no And we are back here on the Doc G Show. Grayson Jenkins right there with Mockingbird. Fantastic song. Yes! I think it's my favorite right now on the album. Although I haven't listened to the whole album because it doesn't come out until August 27th. Once it does, I'll let you know what my favorite is. But, uh, all right, Mike. Top list of uh, corn dogs. What's, what's your top? Do you have a top? Um, I don't think I have a top, but uh, what's the blue box of corn dogs that you get at the grocery store that are like the frozen oh, corn dogs? I know what you're saying. Yeah, I remember those. That's man. That's oh, now you're now you're talking. Those are amazing. Now you're talking nostalgia right there. <laughs> yeah, uh, those are amazing. Whatever uh, those are, those is are my it top state, list. All is of them. State Fair. Ah, uh, state, state Fair. I think that's it. I think State Fair is the one. State. I just googled blue box corn dogs, and State <laughs> Fair was what came up. So, uh, I mean, it looks that's familiar. A risky Google search, by the way. It, I don't know. <laughs> uh, blue. Uh, as long as it's not blue something else corn dogs. That's uh, <laughs> what? Uh, I think that's it. Yeah, that's that's got to be it. I'm looking at yeah, all State it. Fair. That sounds familiar. Yeah, but anyways, oh I'm going, there's, uh, I, I don't even know the name of it. Back in the day, uh, when I was a kid, my grandma used to take me to the mall, and at the mall, they had like the normal sort of, they had like the normal uh, food choices, like they had yeah. like, uh, they had an Arby's, I remember, and they had a, a Sabaro's pizza and oh yeah um, sabaros yeah. right the big old slices that have been there for like 17 days that you're like mm, yep this seems a little rubbery uh but <laughs> they also had like it was it wasn't a chain it was like this you know individual corn dog restaurant Sweet. at at the uh at the mall and i remember man i would get so jazzed we'd go see a movie and after the movie corn dog yes yeah oh man and they were so i mean hand battered and just delicious breading that's awesome oh, oh god man i could go for a corn dog right now oh Is yeah it still open that place no um, no it probably malls are gone yeah, like it probably calls closed in like '97 or something like ah. that. It was a long time ago, long time ago that that place went under. Very sad. And they'd always try to have like you know how all the big places, you know, like McDonald's and place had like the cool like endorsements, like the big movies. They always have some kind of like you know promotion. 
The, right. the corn dog place would try to have that, and it'd be the most lame thing that you've never heard of before, <laughs> ever. And then be like, lemonade cell in Roanoke. Boom, we're part of it. We're promoting it, everybody. The lemonade cell. Yes, you heard correct. Like They also, by the way, uh, I probably said lemonade because they had some awesome lemonade there. It was awesome. Awesome. Yeah. You combine a, a, a sweet lemonade with a corn dog. My God, are you living? You don't even know, great. listeners. Yes. Yes. Uh, the other thing I wanted to bring up, I got sidetracked by corn dogs. It happens often. Um, Grayson there, I mean, his story, like, I was just thinking how I, I probably, I got to be honest, I would probably back out. I would definitely back out. The story of him going to Nashville, going into Tootsie's, this huge you know, a uh, huge icon of uh, honky-tonks in in Nashville. What he wants to do, and the guy's just like, hey, get up on stage and sing. And I mean, I know it's two in the afternoon, but this is, the like, you know, huge. Like, that seems a bit intimidating. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's... That's crazy. Like, did you? People, wh what yeah. was your first? What was your first stand up, Mike? Like, where did you do your first stand up? Uh, Austin's up? Coffee in Orlando, or Winter Park specifically. Mm. But uh, yeah, I feel like that's a little intimidating. Like but we were then, saying, you know? yeah. But then, re not too long after that, they I did a show at the Social, which I don't know if you've been to the Social in Orlando, but that's actually like a, a legit yeah. concert venue. Yeah, that's but it's so uh, much fun. But was that, I mean, I, I feel like, again, as like you were talking about with the, the Joe Kim shows, I feel like it'd be almost easier with the social just because you can sort of, you know, bleed faces together instead of just looking individually at the coffee shop like, yeah, hey. There's something about that. Yeah, I mean, and on top of that, it's coffee. I feel like nobody yeah. wants to laugh at a coffee shop. They're it's like, hard when they're grinding the beans or roasting everything. There's like a yeah. bunch of like steamers going off during your punchlines. Yeah, uh, I just feel but, like it's like quiet jazz is the normal go-to for coffee yeah. shops. Uh, that's that's rough. That's a, that's I feel like that's that's a tough one. But like going like with music, going to Tootsie's Tootsie's where they've they've you know everybody's played and everybody's hung out like i mean literally all kinds of fans willie nelson used to hang out there all the time loretta lynn used to hang out all there that all the time like all these giant names of country you've never played a show and they're like get up play what yeah what be pretty crazy and again, it's like I was saying before, I sort of think, I, I think it's just me being horrible at playing music, me trying to fumble my way through a song up there. Like, yeah, just hold on, C chord's hard. Let me try again here real quick. We're going to do this again. I guess if you're talented, <laughs> it's a little less intimidating, but still, it's, uh, you know, stop. So anyways, what? here's Wonderwall. <laughs> exactly. I, I can make that joke. <laughs> I can. <laughs> it's fine. You can do it, man. It's it's Wonderwall. It. It's amazing, and it's a very easy <laughs> song to play. Capo, <laughs> capo on the two fret. You're gonna hit E minor. You're gonna hit G. You're gonna go to D. You're gonna repeat over and over mm, and over so again. Funny. Very good. Anyways. Thank you to Grayson Jenkins for coming on the show. Make sure you check out his album coming out August 27th. They're turning tides. It is fantastic. You heard two songs today. Hear them all on August 27th. Uh, it's time, Mike. 
Third birthday suit. You got this one. So two for three. Okay. I think I think you can do sixty six percent. I'm okay. almost positive. I'll be very sad if you don't <laughs> get this one. Uh, born on August eighteenth, nineteen seventy eight, in Berkeley, California. While in high school, our birthday suit wearer became in, uh, uh, became interested in creative writing and decided he wanted to go to college for something revolving around that field. He started at the University of California, Santa Cruz, but then transferred to NYU's Tisch School of Arts, where he majored in experimental film and graduated in 2000. He and two friends started filming their own comedy videos... And in 2005, started releasing them on YouTube. He also started a sketch, a, a sketch comedy website, thelonelyisland.com, which eventually landed him a position on Saturday Night Live. Some of his most memorable segments on Saturday Night Live was a digital short titled Lazy Sunday and his duet with Justin Timberlake titled <laughs> Fox. In 2013, he started a role as Jake per, Peralta, on the sitcom Brooklyn Nine Nine, name that birthday suit wearer. Andy Sandberg. Sandberg? Andy Sandberg. Yes, with an nice. E. Sandberg. Yes. Sandberg. A happy birthday, so Andy. Funny. Forty-three. Forty-three wow. for Andy. Does not look forty-three looks good. at all. Like just doesn't make any sense. Looks like a young buck still, man. Yeah. Looks like a young buck. He, uh, my favorite, probably my favorite thing Andy's ever done. I do love. I remember seeing uh, seeing Lazy uh, uh, Lazy Sunday for the first time. That was pretty awesome one. I do have to say that's pretty great. Uh, but uh, I think my favorite thing is his roast, where he came out and uh, he did the uh, horribly bad roast jokes to everybody that were actually like basically compliments. But he acted like he was burning everybody. I don't know if you've ever seen it. If you, <laughs> if you, Comedy ever... Central or Saturday yeah. Night Live sketch. No, it was, it was, uh, it was Comedy Central. It was actually a oh, roast, so and funny. like everybody was burning everybody else. And then he came up, and like you know, he was like, "Oh, Tommy Lee, I bet it's tough for you to have sex because your it doesn't fit in ladies." Huh? Huh? <laughs> and then he just kept on making these jokes that were actually compliments to everybody. It was awesome. That was that was great. My favorite Andy. If you haven't watched it, listeners, you need to check it out. Anyways, forty three for Andy. Happy birthday, Andy. Enjoy it. Uh, hopefully, I think I heard somewhere Brooklyn Nine Nine might be coming back. That's what I heard. Mm. I heard yeah, that. I think I heard that too. I did, I think I read something. Yeah. I think it was like uh, you know, like we're gonna try to bridge some of the social issues of policing by making policing humorous again with this show. You know, I think that was the idea. Which I was like, "Woo, hmm. that could be tough. It's gonna be rough." Yeah. But uh, be, uh... yeah, it's a hard hard bridge to cross. But anyways, happy birthday, uh, Mike. We got a great show coming up uh, now. I, I'm almost. It's almost cemented. So I feel like I can. I can say it. I hope this doesn't jinx it. If next week comes and Sophie is not our guest, I'm sorry. I jinxed it. Uh, Sophie Burrell is coming on the show. I'm very excited about Sophie. Sophie is a fantastic guitar, uh, just a guitar artist. She's a guitarist, as, as we could say in the biz. Hmm. 
I think that's what we can say. Word. Uh, she just uh, she's took over the Instagram with these videos of hers of covers and of originals. She's got like something ridiculous, like 400,000 uh, followers on Instagram. Uh, wow. She's going to come on, talk about her journey through playing guitar, talk about her starting her own uh, her own musical career. Can't wait for it. That's going to be next week. But until then, we've got to wrap up the show. So, uh, got to end it. But I have been your host, Doc G, with me. Once again, Mike the Furnace Charette. Thank you so much. This is great. Love it. It was. It was. And until next week, guys, zip it up and zip it out. Zip it a doo-dah. Mmm.